And there's also, for the kids, a little letter that you can put in the shoe boxes. And parents, let me encourage you to have your kids do that. Um, Sarah gave the kids one in Children's Church last week, but there's some extras in the back. And you can include those in your... And then today we need help uh, with passing out food bags. And so if you can stay after church and help us with that, that would be super duper. And... um, our Christmas parade is coming up quickly, December 4th, so our, the theme this year is Candyland Christmas. Uh, put it wrong in the bulletin, I couldn't remember, I didn't have the, the email with me, and I knew it was candy and an L and Christmas, and so, uh, but it's Candyland Christmas, and it's hopefully some of the stuff we spent so much time making last year when they canceled it, hopefully maybe some of it we can use again. Um, for for this year but uh, so make plans to come and help be watching we'll have information about when we're going to build that float and get all those things together December 4th at 6 I think we line up at 430 or something like that Um, if you have your Bibles uh, this morning I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 58 Isaiah 58 Chapters 57 and 58 uh, relate to one another uh, and deal with just about the same subject. And Israel had come to the point in their life when they uh, had substituted a form of religion and yet missed the entire mark about what it was to walk and to live uh, with God. And so God is calling them to account uh, here and uh, reminds them that, you know, that it's not just about doing certain things, it's about being a person of God, and that's what motivates our doing. Uh, Doing just for the sake of doing doesn't get it. Uh, We have to have the being first. We have to be a person of God, and then because we are a person of God, there are certain things that we do. So let's take a look at Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 14 this morning. Isaiah says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice and they take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all of your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and hide not your, 
not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard, and then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke of your midst, the pointing of your finger, and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall be drawn into the darkness, and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up from the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a, a great reminder uh, of some important truths for us as God's children. And I think that uh, these verses, this chapter especially, is uh, very applicable to us today in our 2021 world because we so often find ourselves going through the motions. And sometimes even going through the motions in the wrong way and out of the wrong motives, uh, just as the children of Israel did. And so the first thing that I want us to find in these passages of Scripture is this, that God knows our heart. God knows what you think. God knows what you are on the inside. You know, I can look on your outside and I can see what you show and I hear what you say, and yet God knows your heart. He knows what's on the inside. And he knows the absolute truth. Uh, you can fool people oftentimes, but you cannot fool God. God knows your heart. He knows whether your uh, life and your desires and your focus is on him or if it's on other things. He said, you know what? You've done things that, that I've not asked. And you wonder and you cry out and say, God, we've called out to you. You haven't listened. We've fasted and, and you haven't taken notice. But in reality, God has noticed. And what God has noticed has not pleased him. Because the people would fast for themselves. And they would uh, fast over, you know, enemies and they would fast over possessions and to get stuff and if if we only serve God because of what we get we're not worshiping God you're worshiping something else because our worship of God must be out of a, a clean and a pure heart uh, you remember that God had asked you know, what, 
do I take delight in? He, he said, you know what? A broken and a contrite heart is, is where not in the outward, not in just the doing, but in a humble and a repentant heart, one that relies upon me. That you, you have said that you're my people and you've called out to me and you think I haven't heard, but the reason that you're in the situation that you're in is not because God is hateful and vengeful, but rather because of the choices you've made. And oftentimes we find ourselves in situations not because life's unfair, not because you know, bad things happen, although both of those things are true, a lot of times we find ourselves in bad situations because of the bad choices we've made. And God says, that's where you find yourself. You know what? You, you, you know, I had, the purpose of a fast is not to be miserable and not to make others miserable and not to oppress others, but it's to focus on me and to uh, see how blessed you are. It's not a time of, of mourning. It's not a time to do things the way you want to. He said, in fact, you have undone a lot of the things that I've asked you to, to do and the things that I've done in your midst. You've undone them because of your refusal to simply live for me and to keep your heart pure. God, that is what God desires, is a pure heart. A heart that desires Him. The psalmist said it this way, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. God desires for us to live so close to Him and to have such a hunger for Him that He is what satisfies our life. And he is what our life is centered around. You say, well, yeah, I, I go to church, I believe in God. Well, for too many folks, what they mean and for what Israel meant in Isaiah's day was when it's convenient for us, we'll show up to worship. When it serves our purposes, we'll make ourselves seen at at the temple. And we'll make a show of it. We want to make sure everybody knows we're going. And if we're doing something, you know, good or selfless, we want to make sure everybody knows about it. Well, the moment anybody knows about it, it stops being selfless. That God wants Israel and wants us to know that he knows our heart. He knows what our life is and our heart is centered around. He knows if it hungers for him or it hungers for the things of this world. And the thing is that when it hungers for him, our life reflects him. And when it reflects the world, when it hungers around, that's what it reflects. It reflects the world. And so... Isaiah says, hey, listen, and God says to Isaiah, proclaim to the people the things that they've done wrong. And they wonder, why on earth I'm not happy with them? And why on earth they're in captivity? 
Well, they're in captivity because they didn't live for the Lord. They didn't worship Him. They made um, alliances and treaties with other countries to protect them. They you know, paid money to, to rulers to leave them alone and some to, to fight on their behalf instead of going to God. The God that defeated great armies with very small armies. Because it's not the number of soldiers that you have in your army, it's who the commander-in-chief of that army is. And when the commander-in-chief of the army is the Lord Almighty, there's no army that can defeat him. And so... Throughout Scripture, and especially in these two chapters, Isaiah 57 and 58, God wants us to know and to understand God knows your heart. He knows whether you are sincerely trying to follow Him or whether you're just going through the motions. He knows if you're trying to serve yourself. There are people that go to church for you know, just to, to be seen or to see it as a social club or to climb the social ladder. And that's not the reason to worship God. Do we get benefit out of serving God? Absolutely we do. And we'll talk more about that at 11 o'clock. But friend, we need to understand that we serve God and we love God and we worship Him and obey Him not because of what he does for us, but simply because he's God. And if there's other motivations behind our worship, God says, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to receive it. And very closely related to this first thing, secondly, I want to see that God sees our actions. Because God not only would see the people's worship and knows the motivation behind that worship, but God saw how he treat, how the Israelites treated other people, especially strangers, people who were not Israelites. And again, God did not like what he saw. Understand that, yes, God knows your heart, but God also sees what you do. And God saw people worshiping and they saw them fasting and they saw, he saw them you know, bring their offerings before him and the, he saw them praying, you know, praying and bringing offerings and going to church. Those are good things. But if you do good things for bad motives, God is not pleased with them. And when the things that you do that may seem good... but are hurting other people, God's not pleased with that either. This is a lesson God's people have had to learn throughout history, and in fact, we're still learning it today in 2021. Yet we you know, say, you know, yeah, everybody's welcome, everybody needs Jesus, and yet so many times in church we're selective of who can come to church. And, and, and there are churches where people of certain color or certain economic backgrounds or certain languages are not welcome. And I tell you that when a church becomes like that, they cease being the church of God. We need to understand that God loves all and God expects all to come to his house. 
And he expects that when God's children gather together in worship, that when uh, brothers and sisters that are different than that selective uh, group might be are different. God's not honored by that. God expects us to welcome all. God expects us to give honor and, and you know, love to everyone. Regardless of what prejudices we might have in our heart or no matter how we might feel about certain people. And we'll use a political example to, to help us illustrate that. We, uh, uh, Joe Biden showed up at church uh, this morning. Uh, there are some people in our church that uh, speak bad about him and don't like him. And you cannot like his politics. But if he shows up for church, you better welcome him and you better love him. And by the way, the scripture says you pray for your leaders whether you like him or not. And on the other side of the spectrum, if Donald Trump uh, showed up at our church, you better welcome him. And you better show him love. And you better show him grace. And if someone that's homeless and has no power and has no limousines to cart them around shows up, you better welcome them as well. You see, Israel didn't do that. They said, oh yeah, we're going to, you're our neighbor, you're our cousin, hey, we're going to love you, but you come from a foreign land, get away. We don't want anything to do with you. God sees our actions. He sees how we treat others. And how we treat others, especially those who are different from us, says a lot about what God has done in our life. Because the truth of the matter is, before you came to know Jesus, you were lost and broken and condemned and of not good reputation, not desirable, and yet God loved you anyway. Jesus brought these verses to light in the Gospels. You remember they said, you know what, when I was imprisoned, you came and visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a cup of cold water. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And Jesus, you remember the people after he said, he said when did we do those things? And Jesus replies, when you did it to the least of these, You've done it to me. But friend, we need to also understand, and God delights in that. God delights when his people show his love to others, especially you know, those that are different, than, those that are downtrodden, those that can't help us one bit. When we're kind to them and we extend grace to them, when we love them, not because of what they can do for us, but just simply because they're made in the image of God. That speaks the loudest of what God has done in our life. But we have to learn that the opposite of that is also true. 
when we treat somebody unkindly because of the color of their skin or the language that they speak or the kind of clothes that they wear. We have stopped representing God and we've stopped being reflections of God's love. And we better rest assured God sees that. And just as God brought judgment upon the nation of Israel for doing that, we better be assured God will bring judgment upon us if we're guilty of doing that. God sees our actions, whether they're good or bad. And our actions reflect what we believe and who we belong to. If you're a child of God and you've experienced God's grace, the ultimate reflection of that is you show love and grace to others. Not because they deserve it. In fact, they probably don't. But neither did you. And yet God gave it. And if God gave it to you, you better give it to others. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you. And so God knows our heart. God sees our actions. But then lastly in this chapter, we're reminded, and here's the truth of the gospel, that God brings our delight. We understand that God brings our delight. You know, people's of Israel, God says in this chapter through Isaiah, he said, you know what? Through your fastings and through your, you know, putting on sour faces and ashes and sackcloth, those were things of, of mourning, of sadness. You've expected to find my favor. But he says, my favor comes when you live for me. When you extend my grace and my mercy to others. So that the time will come when the Lord will continually guide you, he says in verse 11. And he'll provide water in times of drought. He'll help you build up things in the waste places. In other words, those things that have been destroyed and knocked down and set on fire, God will help you rebuild those things. So that you will be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. You say, listen, this is how that comes. Stop trying to find your own pleasure on my day. And quit trying to worship me on your terms. And just do things the way I tell you. Boy, every child finds out that eventually they come to realize, you know what, if I do what mom and dad says, things go a lot easier for me. And I'm not in trouble near as often. But God reminds us of, he said, listen, if you will stop doing your pleasure on my holy day, and you'll see the Sabbath as a delight, the holy day of the Lord, and keep it honorable. Not 
doing things your way and not seeking your own pleasure or even speaking your own words, but delighting yourself in the Lord. He says, then I will cause you to ride up on the high hills of the earth, and I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. He said, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He said, listen, you've done wrong. This is a beautiful picture. You remember in Isaiah 53, Isaiah points out and gives us this beautiful picture of the suffering servant and reminds us that by the stripes uh, we are healed. Isaiah brings that home in, in this chapter as he in 57 and 58 has pointed out that Israel, though they have in some degree said, listen, we're following God, we're doing what we're supposed to, they've not. Yeah, they've been going through the motions, but they found themselves miserable. And that's how the opening verses of chapter 58 are. Say, so listen, you're miserable even though you're doing the things that God tells you to do. What gives? Well, the answer is, is that in the beginning, the people were going through motions... And they didn't really mean it. They weren't doing it for God and they weren't doing it to God. Rather, they were doing it for themselves. And they were looking for delight and they were looking for purpose in just these things that they could control and manipulate. And God says, listen, I'm not a puppet. And I'm not going to you know, bend to your every whim. Rather, if you'll walk in my way, if you'll worship me, then you'll find delight. You'll find blessing. You'll, you'll find that the things that you crave are there. That you no longer have that emptiness. That you've somehow been made whole. And the reason is, is because what was missing in our life was not more money or more fun or more lasciviousness, more sin. What was missing was God. But when God is plugged into our life and our life is revolved around Him, other things seem to fall in place. And the reason things seem to fall in place is because we're made whole. Think we're walking and living the way we were created to live, not to our own devices. And not after our own whims. The Westminster Catechism says it this way. It asks the question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is this. To know God and to make him known. And you see, Isaiah reminds us here in this chapter. Listen, all of us, we fault Israel. We went, how could those Israelites be so dumb? I mean, you know, they, they heard about, you know, Lot's wife turning back, looking and turning into salt. And they knew all the powerful things that God had done and all the times he delivered them and all the times people had been punished because of their disobedience to the Lord. Why didn't they get it? But the truth of the matter is we're in the same boat oftentimes. Because of the things of this world pull so strongly on. And there's so much allure and bright, shiny lights and 
and images of what happiness really is. And those things might bring delight for a minute, but they're very fleeting. But here's the thing about the delight of the Lord. It doesn't dry up. And that's why Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, when he spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, you remember he said, you know, God desires, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him. And you'd have water and that, that you would never thirst again. The Gospels talk about that fountain of this ever-flowing life. And the only way we can find that is by the Lord being our delight. And here's the thing, is that when we find that the Lord's all we have, we find the Lord's all we need. And those things that we thought were so important really are not what it was about. God brings our delight because he is our delight. And when we walk with him and we live for him, we find, you know what, we really do have everything that we need. There's joy and peace and contentment in walking with the Lord. And knowing that, hey, listen, regardless of what else is going on in this world, God is with me. The old hymn in our hymn book says, I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty. Et cetera, et cetera. I can't remember the, the but the chorus comes like this. He said, I may not, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. And the thing that Israel had forgotten was that God wanted to hold their hand. But the people weren't willing. You know, my, my nephews, as they were little, and they would, you know, you, little kids, hold my hand when you're going places so you don't get lost. Sarah, when she was young, I bet, oh boy, she looked forward to holding mom and daddy's hand. And then she turned 12 or 13, whenever it happened. She said, ooh, yuck, get away from me, mom and dad. Gross. And you know what? When we walk with the Lord, we delight in him. And we want to hold his hand because it means we're near him. And we belong to him. You don't hold hands with strangers. Hold hands with people that you know. You see though. You know what as we grow up. We kind of move away from wanting to hold mom and dad's hand. But the thing is. Is that really we should never get over that. We should never stop wanting. We never grow up. And too much. Especially in our relationship with God. That we don't need and can't hold his hand. Because God is always there for us. Thing is, is that when we reach out for God's hand, you always find it. Because he's always right there with you. 
So may God help us to remember these important truths that God knows our heart. And God is much more concerned with what's on the inside than what's on the outside. And the reason that is is because what's on the inside eventually and usually comes comes out on the outside. And God sees our actions. He sees how we treat other people. Whether it's in a way that honors God or in a way that does not. And then lastly, that we must remember that God is our delight. And that if we delight in Him, we'll find we have all we need. And that we truly are very blessed. And here's the thing. This is where the you know, that age-old question and the hard lesson is for us is that God desires to bless us. God desires for us to know Him and to, for us to be used by Him. God desires for us to hold His hand, but we've got to be willing to reach out for it. God doesn't force Himself on us. But if we'll reach out to Him, He'll take it every time. Like I guarantee you, no matter how old Holly is, no matter how, how old Sarah is, I'm using the, the mother and daughter, and they're sitting right up here front, so I see it. I guarantee you one thing, that if Sarah said to Holly, Mom, I want to hold your hand, Holly's not going to say, not right now. She's going to hold her daughter's hand. Because she loves her. not to grab mom's hand. Mom's not going to pull it away. When we reach out for God's hand, he won't pull it away. He's reaching out for us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is drawing all men to, to him. He's there. He's calling out to us. Here's the thing, though. We choose whether we're going to reach out or whether we're not. Just like Israel chose whether they were going to live for God and delight in Him or whether they were going to delight in themselves and make a mess of things. We have that same choice. God desires our fasting, not just for the sake of fasting, That makes God furious. But when we fast with a humble heart and out of pure motives and out of desire to please God, we find not fury, but we find delight. And there's nothing greater in this world to delight in than the Lord himself. And I hope that we'll learn that lesson. Not the hard way. I hope we'll learn it the easy way by walking with God. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. for Sunday school, and I mentioned about um, the Christmas parade. Um, we can throw candy this year, um, and so we need some candy. The bo- there's a box in the education building that had children's home stuff in it. Now that box is empty, so now we can fill it up with candy. So if you have candy that you want to bring uh, for us to throw uh, on, on the parade, it has to obviously be individually wrapped. Uh, can't get M&Ms and you know, throw them at the crowd. Uh, <laughs> but they do have to be individually wrapped candy. 